morning, church family. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving, as we have so much to be thankful for. As God in his mercy has provided our families with food to eat, water to drink, and clothes to keep us warm, God has blessed us as a church family with this beautiful building, faithful members, and ministries that are growing. However, above all else, church, we can be thankful this morning, tomorrow morning, and every morning that because of the love of our Heavenly Father, we are, as Christians, the children of God. Amen? And this theme of being a child of the Most High God, it will be prominent throughout our text this morning. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, as it builds on the final verses from chapter 2. Now, if you can remember back to two weeks ago, John closed chapter 2 by telling his readers if they continue to abide in Jesus Christ, that when Christ returns, they are not going to have to shrink from him in shame, but instead they may have confidence. Now, how is this possible, you might be wondering? How is it possible for sinful, fallen, depraved man to be confident when the holy, perfect, righteous, pure, omniscient, omnipotent, and just God of the universe returns? Well, man, he must be born again. For man, he must be born of God. Because those who are born of God... They belong to God, and those who belong to God, they can be confident that at the return of Jesus Christ, Christ will acknowledge them before his Father who is in heaven. However, have you ever just stopped and dwelt on the fact that you have been born of God, Christian, and what exactly that means? Because as John commences chapter 3, he does so by considering the love that God the Father has for us. That we would not only be born of God, but that we should be called the children of God. And this is literally just mind-blowing to John. Therefore, since this type of love is mind-blowing to the Apostle John, then so too should the love of God be mind-blowing to you as well, Christian. And if not, well, then it is time to wake up. It is time to get the tryptophan out of your system, and it is time for us as a church body to see our God for who he is this morning, a God of supernatural, otherworldly, and incomparable love. Which takes us to our thesis statement this morning, which is this. Christian, we are God's children now. Therefore, continue to purify yourselves, because when Christ finally appears, we shall be like him. Christian, we are God's children now. Therefore, continue to purify yourselves, because when Christ finally appears, we shall be like him. And our text this morning is 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. For the Apostle John, he writes, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. We have been born of God. We are the children of God. We have a God in heaven who loves us. Father, let us then in the here and now be quick and eager to purify ourselves as Jesus Christ, he is pure. Father, I pray that you open the eyes and the ears of this dear congregation this morning. Soften their hearts to receive the beauty that is 1 John chapter 3 this morning. Father, I pray that you give me the words to speak. Let them be true. Let them be bold. Let them be humble. And I pray that they are convicting. Father, work through me this morning, I pray. You be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our first of two points this morning is this, point number one. The world will never understand us, Christian, because it does not know God. The world will never understand us, Christian, because it does not know God. Verse one. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. John ended chapter 2 with, Everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So it seems as though as John writes these final words in chapter 2, he begins to contemplate the love that God must possess so that we as Christians could actually be born of him. Which leads to John writing in verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us. As if he's wondering what kind of love is this that God the Father has for his children. And this is really cool, church, because the phrase, what kind here, it comes from the Greek word potopos, which means from what country. So it's as if John is contemplating the grandeur of the love of God, and he is left awestruck, shaking his head and wondering from what country is this kind of love from? From what foreign land is this kind of love from? From what universe does a love like this exist? Because the love that God has for his children, it is not from here, it is not from this place, it is not from this country or planet or universe. It's simply an otherworldly type love, for it is, church, a divine type love. It is a love that will care for us, Matthew 6. It is a love that will never leave us or forsake us, Hebrews 13. It's a love that will never lose us, Matthew 18. It's a love that blessed us in Jesus Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1. It's a love that grants us access to God, Ephesians 2, and the privilege to call him Abba, Father, Romans 8. Therefore, you want to know what kind of love God has As for you, Christian, it's a love that allows you, verse 1, to be called a child of the Most High God, and so we are. 
Let's just dwell on the depth of God's love for his children for a second church. Contemplate the length of it. Think about the breadth of it. Meditate on the height of it. For it was in love that God predestined you for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. For it was in love that God offered you redemption, forgiveness of sins, and an eternal inheritance. Thus the love that God has for his children, church, it is truly unique, truly extraordinary, and truly unprecedented. As this redeeming, adopting, and forgiving love of God, it is a love that only his children will ever see, know, experience, or taste. Therefore, as we dwell on the love that God has for his children this morning, church, let our hearts cry out to the praise of his glorious grace for our Heavenly Father. He loves his children. However, have you ever wondered why the world doesn't get you, Christian. Have you ever wondered why the world doesn't understand you? Have you ever wondered why the world doesn't want to get to know you, or at times can be downright hostile towards you, Christian? Well, John answers those questions in verse 1, where he writes, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Church, Jesus said these words to his disciples in his farewell discourse. In this world, you will have tribulation, John 16. Therefore, John wants to make it clear to his readers that just because they have experienced the otherworldly love of God and have been born of God and are now children of the Most High God, that does not mean that in the here and now it is all sunshine and roses. That does not mean that a life of health and wealth and happiness awaits them in this world. That does not mean that a life without affliction or tribulation or pain stands before them. Because, and this is what we need to realize here, church, the world, the evil, sinful, fallen, depraved world, they did not know Jesus Christ, verse 1. They did not recognize him. They did not receive him, and thus the world, they did not respect him. In fact, John wrote in the prologue of his gospel that Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. And not only did the world not receive Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in whom the Father loves and with whom the Father is well pleased, but the world, they hated Jesus Christ. They rejected him, they crucified him, and ultimately they killed him. Thus it should come as no surprise to any of us that Jesus told this to his disciples, You are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And if we are to be honest, church, this is not an easy thing to hear. However, although it is not an easy thing to hear, it makes complete and perfect sense. Because the world, the Antichrist, the children of Satan, and those born of God, the children of God, they are not going to be in harmony with each other. They are not going to be compatible with each other. They are not going to be in agreement with each other. 
Thus, you can take it to the bank, Christian, that the world is never going to like you if you tell it the truth, since they have been blinded by the lies of the evil one. The world is never going to accept you if you follow the commandments of Christ, since they are counter to the ways of Satan. And the world will never admire you if you preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, since it is a stumbling block to the world, it is foolish to the world, and it's as offensive to the ears of the world as offensive gets. And Christian, you have got to be okay with that and not fall into the trap of compromising Jesus Christ for anything the world has to offer. Because we have been called to stand strong in the midst of the storms of this world, even if that means we are not in the majority and not siding with the masses. David Burgess shared this story of an Ozark man who pointed to the front axle of his farm wagon and declared, These axles last. For he noted that his father had cut this one right from the heart of a hickory tree some 20 years ago, and that it was still good. My father, the man explained, used to travel all over the Ozark Mountains in search of fine lumber. And if he found a good tree, he would purchase it as it stood and cut it into timbers for his shop. And by experience, he found that the strongest wood was taken from the trees that stood alone. So he would select the hickories that grew in the open space. And of these, he would make the best wagon axles because those trees that stood alone proved to be by far the strongest. As they had stood under the storms of night where there was no protection and their wood was of the finest grain, as strong as steel. So it is then, Christian, better to stand strong in the Lord and alone than to make unsound compromises with the world and grow weak. Church, we are not of the world anymore. Therefore, if the world is warmly accepting your view that love is love, if the world is warmly affirming your beliefs on gender fluidity, if the world is warmly welcoming your conviction that it is your body and your choice, then you must ask yourself, does the world accept you and affirm you and welcome you because in reality you are actually of the world? Because the scriptures are clear that those whom Christ chose out of the world, the world hates, John 15. However, you can be encouraged this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, if indeed the world does hate your beliefs and your stances and your testimony. And I say that because if the world hates your beliefs and your stances and your testimony, then you must be doing something right. Because if Satan hates Jesus Christ, then of course his children are going to hate the children of God. So yes, with the title, with the name, with the identity that you are a child of the Most High God does come tribulation from this world. But take heart, because Jesus Christ, he has overcome the world and the benefits that the child of God possesses through eternity, they far outweigh any sufferings that we may face in the here and now. And what are those benefits that we will possess as the children of God through eternity? Well, that brings us to point number two. Christian, there will come a day when we shall be like Jesus Christ and see him as he is. Christian, there will come a day when we shall be like Jesus Christ and see him as he is. Verse 2. 
Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. John begins verse 2 by using the word beloved to address his readers, to make sure they know that not only are they loved by God, but also they are loved by the Apostle John as well. Furthermore, John also wants to make sure that his readers know that as the children of God, that he, John, also stakes his claim to that identity as well. Therefore, he states in verse 2 that we, John and his readers, are God's children now, but what we will be has not yet appeared. Now, there is a perplexity here in the text for John and for his readers, a predicament A dilemma, if you will, that although they are the children of God now, what they will be in terms of their eventual, final, and glorious state that has not yet appeared. And quite frankly, it's the predicament that every Christian faces at this present time. That although we are God's children now, we still wrestle with sin. That although we are God's children now, we still have tears that need to be wiped from our eyes. That although we are God's children now, we are still experiencing death and mourning and crying and pain. For that is the tension here, church, the predicament that we find ourselves in. That we are the children of God. Yes, the children who God predestined, redeemed, forgave, and offered an eternal inheritance. And yet we are living in a creation that is groaning in the pains of childbirth. We are living in a nation that isn't going to know us or like us or be nice to us. We are living in a world where sin is going to tempt us and appeal to us and intrigue us. And we are living at a time where nothing this world has to offer will ever eternally satisfy us. But alas, there is hope, Christian. Because... As C.S. Lewis put it, if you find yourself with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that you were made for another world. Because, verse 2, we know that when he appears, that when Jesus Christ appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Or as the NIV puts it, that when Jesus Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I love how the 17th century theologian William Burkett so clearly and so concisely and so simply discussed the text this way. As he wrote concerning 1 John 3, 2, Here note the double benefit which believers may expect at Christ appearing. Here note the double benefit which believers may expect at Christ appearing. And the first of these two benefits is this, verse 2, that we shall be like him. Brother Christian, sister Christian, that we shall be like Jesus Christ, that we shall be conformed to the image of God's Son, Romans 8, that we shall be transformed into a glorious body, Philippians 3, that we shall be bearing the image of the man of heaven, 1 Corinthians 15, that with the return of Jesus Christ, we as the children of God shall be like him, conformed to his image, bearing his likeness, and having our lowly body. Be transformed into a glorious body. Thus, can you even imagine the day, Christian, when our bodies will no longer be afflicted with 
pain and cancer and disease and sickness. Can you imagine the day when our minds will no longer be tempted with sin and lust and covetousness and greed? Can you imagine the day when our hearts are made whole and we find complete and overflowing satisfaction in the joy of the Lord? For that day is coming, Christian, that when Jesus Christ appears, we shall be like him. And the second benefit, verse 2, we shall see him as he is. And oh, will this ever be worth the wait, church, to see Jesus Christ as he truly is. Michael Green told this story about a man named William Dyke who became blind at the age of 10. However, Dyke still grew up to be very intelligent and witty and a successful young man. And while attending graduate school in England, he met the daughter of an English admiral, and the two soon became engaged. And though having never seen her, Dyke loved her very much. However, shortly before his wedding, at the insistence of the admiral, Dyke submitted to a special treatment for the loss of his sight. Hoping against hope, he wanted the galls of his eyes to be removed during the ceremony, since he wanted the first thing he saw to be the face of his wife. Thus, as the bride came down the aisle, Dyke's father started unwinding the galls from around his head and eyes, still not knowing if the operation would be a success. And with the unwrapping of the last bandage, Dyke looked into the face of his new bride and said, You are even more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. Like the young groom, though we have never seen Jesus, it will be worth the years of darkness to finally see him as he is. As John Trapp put it, now we see as through a glass obscurely, as an old man through spectacles, as a weak eye looks upon the sun. But when Christ appears, we shall see him as he is, as far as the creature is capable of looking upon that blissful vision. You see, Christian, there will come a day when you will be able to lay your eyes upon the greatness of Jesus Christ and on his glory. For there will come a day, O child of God, when you shall be like Jesus Christ and you will finally see him as he is. For that is your eternal destiny, Christian. For Christ is where your journey will end. And that is what we must realize, church, that our journey, it does not end here on planet earth. For in the here and now we are merely pilgrims passing through this earthly world with all its pain and problems and persecution and plights. But what we will be, Christian, ultimately it has not yet appeared. For our eternal inheritance, it has not yet come. Thus, let us never forget that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, encourage one another with these words. Church, be encouraged this morning by these words, for the time will come when Christ will return, and we as the children of God will be like him, for we shall see 
him as he is in his presence, free from sin, free from death, and having our hearts burst with satisfaction, saved, redeemed, and washed, justified, sanctified, and eternally glorified, always and forevermore in perfect union with our God. For that is your eternal destiny, church, a destiny that is certainly worth faithfully waiting for. And as we close this morning, I'll begin with the non-Christian who is here first. I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with a non-Christian friend of mine, and he came to me frustrated and visibly angry, so much so I had to send my boys inside while we chatted. And he was mad about the current political climate. He was mad about his unemployment check. He was mad he didn't have a job. He was mad his brother was just diagnosed with COVID. And overall, in that moment, he just seemed to be feeling the weight of the world, really feeling the effect of sin on this fallen and broken and depraved world. So I just casually threw out the comment, it's almost like we weren't made for this world. It's almost as if there is more to life than the here and now. And he quickly shot back, well, I don't know about that. To which I replied, well, I do. And I could see the wheels begin to turn inside his head. Non-Christian, I'm here to tell you this morning that we were created for more than this world. That we were not created to simply find our sense of joy or our sense of peace in our political parties or pay stubs or jobs or even in our health. But instead, we were created to have our sense of joy, our sense of peace to be found in our fellowship with our God, in the one who is not of this world, but whose kingdom is eternal and is in heaven. And here is the good news this morning, non-Christian. There is still a way to receive citizenship into this kingdom and to be reconciled back into fellowship with this God through eternity. But citizenship into this kingdom, it is only granted to those who place their trust in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ. The one who came into this world as truly God, but who was also born truly of man, and who made his dwelling amongst us. And while dwelling amongst his people, Jesus Christ, he lived the life that we could not live. For he lived a life that was perfect, a life that was without sin or transgression or offense. And thus he, Jesus Christ, fulfilled the law of God for the children of God. However, that is not all that Christ did for the children of God, as Christ also paid the price for their breaking of the law. And the price... The punishment that Jesus Christ bore on their behalf, he was beaten, abused, punched, whipped, crucified on a cross, and died in their place. The righteous one dying for the unrighteous. However, being that Jesus Christ never sinned and is perfect because he is truly God, sin and death, they had no claim over Jesus, thus they could not keep him dead. And to prove it three days later, Jesus Christ, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and defeating death and making a way for the sinner to be reconciled back to God forever. And thus let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin 
Let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and you trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price of your sin, as the only one who died for your sin and can clothe you in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. And today, your heavenly citizenship, it will be granted. Today, you will be a new creation in Christ, washed by the blood of the Lamb And your destiny will no longer be one of death. But instead, when Christ appears, you will be like him, for you shall see him as he is. Conformed to his image and bearing his likeness, now and forevermore in the presence of your Father God, who eternally loves you. Thus let today be the day, non-Christian, that you place your trust in Jesus Christ. And to the Christian who is here today. Rejoice, rejoice, for the God of the universe, he loves you, he adopted you, and he made you his children. And being that you are a child of the Most High God, when Jesus Christ appears, you will be like him, for you shall see him as he is. Oh, the glorious benefits that await us, church, at the return of Jesus Christ. For they are greater than what any eye has seen, ear has heard, or heart has ever imagined. And because of that, it is natural for us to long for these benefits. However, John is not writing here just so his readers have some theological or eschatological understanding as to what benefits await them in the future. But as John Stott pointed out, John is also communicating these future benefits to his readers so that it impacts them ethically, so that they presently respond to these benefits morally. Therefore, John writes in verse 3, Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. For that is the mindset of the child of God. They desire to purify themselves now and to fight against every sinful practice and lust and thought that still tempts their hearts. Now, this is not easy, church, as it is not only difficult to wage war against our sin, but at times it is hard to even recognize that certain sins have crept their way into our lives. Thus, you may be sitting there this morning thinking, okay, I do hope in Jesus Christ, I do trust Jesus Christ, but honestly, I'm struggling with the culture right now. I'm, trying to figure, I'm struggling to figure out what is up and what is down, what is right and what is wrong, what is Christ-like, and what are the ways of the Antichrist. Therefore, how do I purify myself of sin, run from sin, and fight against sin when I don't even know where sin is hiding in my life anymore? Thus, if that is you this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, then ask yourself these questions. Where does the world, the sinful, fallen, depraved world, where does it accept my actions? Where does it affirm my thoughts? Where does it celebrate my worldviews? 
Because if you see the world accepting your sexually immoral actions or your provocative language on social media or your party-hardy mentality on the weekends, then you are walking with the world. If you see the world affirming your me-first mentality, serenity at all costs, if it feels good, it must be right mindset, then you are loving the ways of the world. If you see the world celebrating your views on marriage, on family, or on gender, then you are compromising with the ways of the world. And how do I know this? Because Satan hates Christ, and Satan's children will naturally hate the children of God practicing the will of God. Therefore, if the children of Satan are cheering you on, or affirming you, or celebrating any of your actions, or thoughts, or worldviews, then run from them, Christian. Purify yourself of them, Christian, for they are not the ways of God, but they are the ways of the Antichrist. And it is our goal, church, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7, to cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles our body and our spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Church, Jesus Christ, he came into the world to take sin away. Thus, the children of God will not walk in the ways of the sinful world, but they will do whatever it takes to purify themselves of the sinful world until that work is made complete at the return of Jesus Christ. Thus, it is my prayer that we as a church body recognize that we have been loved by God, that we have been predestined, forgiven, redeemed, and adopted into the family of God as the children of God. For that is who we are, church. And with that identity comes wonderful future benefits. For we shall see Jesus Christ when he comes, and we will be like him. Yet in the here and now, church, we have a responsibility, a responsibility to continue to purify ourselves as Christ, our Savior, is pure. Thus, church, reject the ways of the world and walk faithfully in the purity of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, when we see your truths come out of Scripture, Lord, this world makes so much sense. Father, we are the children of God. We are not the children of Satan. Thus, we will never get along with the world. They will never understand us. Thus, we are not to compromise with the world. In this world, there will be tribulation, but take heart. Jesus Christ, he has overcome the world. And being that Christ has overcome the world, there are wonderful benefits that will come to us. But we must abide in Christ and continue to remain faithful to the gospel. Do not run to teachers that tickle our ears. Do not run to the wisdom of the world or lack thereof. But we need to be grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when he appears, we may be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But we are the children of God now, here, today, this Sunday. Thus let us purify ourselves of all the sin we continue to hold on to, knowing that when Christ appears, that work will be made complete, as our faith will become sight. 
and we will be given glorious, imperishable bodies, fit to see him as he is and to dwell in his presence forever and ever. Amen.